This is Arcand and Mego on WEEI. Welcome back. We're going to continue talking to Mar Hamlin. We are going to talk to uh, sports medicine. I keep saying sports medicine doctor, and that feels like redundant. But, but she's sports a doctor, doctor in sports medicine. A doctor in sports medicine, Jess Flynn. We're going to talk to her in about an hour. So we're going to get back to that, I promise. But we do want to talk some actual football. Not to be callous. I'm sorry, but we, we spent like two hours. We're going to get back to it. We'll spend three hours. Shame on you. But I do want to talk about the Patriots. Because I've been out for like two weeks. I have a nasty cold, by the way. There's like 17 viruses going around. None of them are COVID. Uh... I want to address this on the morning show because as I said right before the commercial break, the morning show has this preoccupation with douches. And I know that we did our like douche, Mount Douche more. Zach Wilson did, But that right, was yeah. for Zach Wilson. Right. And he is the poster child of the douche. You've reached the top, the pinnacle of douchedom. And I, I don't understand like the morning show has douche of the day or something or like douche move or not douche. And, and anyway, they hey, had- it's Greg. Boomer Esiason call in, and he had this hot take on Monday about here's Mac the, Jones. Here's the thing that I really dislike about Mac Jones, if you want to get to the root of it. His his body language, his facial expressions, his gyrations on the field piss me off. All right? I, 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 there, there's a douchiness to that. I don't necessarily know that he's earned the right to act the way that he does at times, like frustrated, looking at the coaches and screaming and yelling and putting his hands to his head. I mean, body language for a quarterback is so important. And I hate when quarterbacks sulk on the sideline. You know, they can't, they have to be above all of that. Okay. So I, I know that this got a lot of reaction. First of all, gyrations. I don't, I don't remember the gyrations from Mac Jones. No, I feel like Google Hips Mac Jones would have recalled that, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't recall that happening, but it, I felt like this was pretty odd. I don't like this play, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, Whoa, Mac! Air right. humping, like, whoa, <laughs> Mac! Please calm down. This is a this is a family friendly broadcast right hey, now. Okay, you can man. toss out the f bomb, but that air hump. Uh, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, I um. But the the uh, real point of it is, the last two weeks, Mac hasn't been doing a ton of that. And I right. think uh, Boomer went on to say, like, he hates when when uh, f- when football players put their hands on their helmet and are like, come on, man. And I just kind of feel like, what are we talking about? And I feel like it's kind of odd. It feels like Boomer is almost a week behind the narrative. Like, what we were all talking about maybe two weeks behind, we were all talking about after the Raiders game and saying, like, uh, maybe this is going a little too far with the way that Mac is – hemming and hauling and calling out the sideline and everything. And he hasn't been doing that as much the last two games. So I kind of feel like he's actually picking on him. Like, is that outrageous? Am I being too mama bear, too sensitive? No. I guess it's just like, have criticism where criticism is due. Like, if Max says he wants to throw it deep and he right. the quick game ethic sucks and he wants to take shots at Nelson Aguilar, then don't overthrow Nelson Aguilar and, like, sail it over to the sidelines sure. when Matt Patricia actually draws up, like, a pretty good play to pull the safeties on the other side of the ball, like, off and set that up for you. That's on Mac Jones. Yeah. Call him out for that. But don't call him out for the thing he was doing, like, 
three, two, three weeks ago. Right. I think I agree with you. I think that at some point, you know, I mean, he's a young player and he's evolving as a player and a person and all these other things. And I'm sure that, you know, he's been told multiple times, hey, stop lighting up the coaches on the sideline. It's bad for us. It's bad for you. It's bad for everybody. I'm sure that that's been relayed to him and he's probably working on it. I don't know. I mean, you have to ask him. Thank you, Bill. But uh, I do think that, you know, you look at uh, – you look at someone like Mac, and I feel like his story is already kind of getting written here. Yes. Whether or not, like, he Entitled, changes his. Rat, right. Whether douche. he changes his behavior or not. I heard he was the dirtiest player in football. In the history week. of the game, yeah. The, People want Rodney him to be, Harrison. They want him to than, be Grayson Allen. <laughs> dirtier like, than they Albert really do. They're going to start being like Mac. You know what? He actually was getting. Duke was sniffing around Mac, and he, <laughs> he turned down Duke to, you know, come to. Go to Alabama. Okay, but he does have in. a little bit of Grayson Allen in his game. It's not like he doesn't. I mean, we we've seen some examples of it, and I don't think that that defines a player. But when you're only a year and a half into your career, and you've already got a bunch of these examples, it's hard to shake them. That's all. And I think that that may be what Boomer's sort of getting at is that, yeah, you know, we that's already not what have he said, this. Though. We have this he didn't image say of you about the hits. He no, no, said no, he has but, a douchiness about him. Right. We have this image of him yelling at his yelling at the coaches and doing all that, just like we have this image of him with these dirty plays. You his get his gyrations it, on the field and those. <laughs> <laughs> terrible gyrations, but you get a you get a so reputation, right? If your reputation is a dirty player, it's a dirty player. If you have a reputation as a whiner or a douche or whatever who's lighting up his coaches all the time, even oh, if you stop doing? stop doing it for a yeah, week, that's not that gonna guy? that's not gonna shake it. I don't think he's still he's still got that. Here's the other part of it that bugs me a little bit is the earned it. Oh, he's not Tom Brady. He didn't earn it. Right. Like so, you can't complain about sorry, like a dumbass call or a dumbass like not getting getting the play calls in on time on your headside from the sideline you can't complain about that unless you're tom brady you have to earn the right to say like hey can we get this operation in a place where it's professional can we not call a timeout every time we go into the red zone yeah matt can we get the play in please i mean <laughs> i really i don't not know asking for much it, here. I, if i'm maybe it's because deep down inside i'm a little bit of a hothead too mm. but i'm watching that and i'm going I think Mac was pretty patient through much of this year. And he was patient when they threw Bailey Zappi in in the Chicago Bears game. And he was sitting there, like, cheering on Zappi, the backup, after he came back from injury and everything. I know this sounds like a tremendous defense of Mac. Yeah, you sound like Orlovsky right now. It just bothers me. Like, it bothers me that they're like, that, that somebody like Boomer is going off after this second-year quarterback calling him a douche because he's mad that he doesn't have a capable play caller on the sidelines. I'd be pissed off, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's probably a lot of other bad offensive coordinators in the league. Maybe not as bad as Matt Patricia. Nobody is as bad as Matt Patricia. No one's as inexperienced as Matt Patricia, Nobody's that's for sure. Nobody's as bad at it, Arkan. I don't know. Who was who's call- worse? Who's calling the offense in Denver? Who's <laughs> worse? Know? That's not, not a great offense. Okay. Well, there. Better than Matt Patricia. Russell Wilson isn't a second-year quarterback. That's true. That's true, and he's had an awful year too. But Max had a bad year. You he know, has. it's not like he hasn't. And I think he's frustrated, and I think he's taken that frustration out in a way that hasn't really been great on camera. If that makes sense, like I don't think that what he's done has fractured the locker room. I don't think that there's players in there saying I don't want this guy as my quarterback anymore. They seem to really like him still, even despite all the all the crap that's gone on with the offense. I feel like the team, maybe with the exception of. Trent Brown, who was liking anti-Mac uh, <laughs> tweets there. But other than him, I feel like everyone's pretty much pulling in Mac's direction. So, yeah, you might not like it. You might not like the optics of it and the way it looks, Boomer, but like if it's still working in the locker room, I think that that speaks volumes. I do. Maybe it's because, I don't know, like my heart is always primarily with the NBA. Am I the only one that's like not that bothered by this? 
Like, no, really. I, I agree with you. By the uh, histrionics? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Or? Well, I wouldn't even call them histrionics. I would. Like, him mother effing the sideline? I guess I feel the same way. Like, you can't get the play <laughs> to me in a timely fashion? Like, what do we spend all week practicing? And that's the question I would ask is, when this was happening, when, you know, maybe it feels like Boomer is a week or so behind on this. But so we're going back to, I think, the Arizona game where he's waving off Matt Patricia. Was that valid? Do you, do you think that Mac Jones had the validation to yes. do that? So do I. My So do I. My and I think it could have been left. so much worse. My heart leapt when he told Matt Patricia to shut the F up. I was <laughs> yeah, like, the short game baby's all grown sucks. up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's obnoxious to some people. Maybe that's a generational thing. I don't know. Maybe you look at it and you go, I don't want to see this 24-year-old pip squeak. If you feel that way, talk to Matt Patricia that way or talk to his coaches that way. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't respect rank. He doesn't respect the leadership of the team. Whatever. I guess I'm saying that if I'm a starting NFL quarterback, I'm looking at what's on the sideline after what I've gone through for, and it's weak. Let's say go back to when he's throwing the tantrums, if you want to call him that. Go, it's week 14, week yeah. 15. Not only are we having the same problems that we had in training camp, in preseason, in weeks one, two, three, and four, but some of the problems seem to be getting worse because maybe guys are checking out or something. Yeah. It's getting worse. Wouldn't you be doing the same thing? Or are you just an idiot? Are you just a moron who's like, oh, I'll just take whatever they say for me to do? Like, Mac is a smart kid. You think he's going to turn there and be like, oh, no, actually, because Bill Belichick is there, everything that's on the sideline is great. No, I mean, I, I don't know how you I think he has every right to feel the way that he's it's feeling about career. this team and this offense. It's his career. It's his livelihood. It's been a massive step back. And I think that everyone who's watched the team this year agrees that the offense and the way he's been coached has been a major, major detriment. But he's also not played well. Yes. You know, like he's not played well. It's not like he's gone out there and left it all on the field and had these great games and, you know, really was making good throws and things just came up. Like he's not been good. I, I just think that that's a, a part of this, too. If you want to if you want to have that kind of cachet and you want to MF the coaches and do all these things, you better be a good player. You better at least be able to say, hey, I'm doing my job here. And I'm not sure that Max necessarily able to say that. This but year. Uh, Christian, you're the only one I've, I've, I've heard make that point. A lot of the people and it's your, your pundits and it's a lot of your former players are saying, well, he hasn't earned it. Okay, well, everything else aside, is the offense bad? Yes. Has he mm -hmm. not played well? Yes. I think that would make so much more sense if you're like, I don't want to hear from you, Mac, because you're not playing well. Not, right. I don't want to hear from you, Mac, because you're only, you're not even through your second year yet. You're still wet behind the ears. Like, I think that's the part of it that makes me crazy. Like, how much experience do you need for do you to uh, raise your hand and go, guys, this isn't working and, and we're failing on national TV? I can't take it anymore. Uh, the major question here is whether. The way that Mac behaves, the way that he outwardly expresses himself, yeah. causes some division in the locker room. And you brought up the silly Trent Brown liking a tweet about Jimmy Garoppolo or Tom Brady coming back as quarterback instead of Mac Jones. Uh, we're going to get to some sound right after trending about why I think Mac's Patriots teammates are pretty united with him. What this comes down to why they are not turning on Mac or being highly critical of his play given the circumstances and all else. We're going to get to that right after trending. So we just heard from Boomer Esiason, who was on the Greg Hill Morning Show today, calling Mac Jones a douche for uh, yelling at his coaches. I'm kind of on his side there. And on his side, I mean Mac Jones' side. Not Boomer's side. No, not Boomer's side. Mm -hmm. I mean, just on this one case. I, you make a, a strong case, Arcan. That if Mac is going to mother F these coaches, 
He's got to play better. Yeah. Like, put up or shut up. I like that argument. Win a playoff game. I don't like the, oh, he hasn't earned it. He certainly has not been great the last three weeks. <laughs> he, I, I, don't, I don't like that argument. But the put up or shut up, I can get with that. Uh, but we go back time and time again to the circumstances that he's been put in, that mm-hmm. Mac Jones has been put in in his second year. And you look at the stats, you watch the games of Mac Jones, and you go, this guy is not developing. He looks worse than he looked last year. This isn't even a holding pattern for him. And it just it feels like you have no idea what the Patriots have in their starting quarterback. He like, has not been great. <laughs> you're grasping at straws from last year and a strange Pro Bowl appearance and trying to determine if Mac Jones is your franchise quarterback for the coming years. So Mike Giardi was on the Ryan Rossillo podcast on The Ringer, and he had this take, which I think sums it up pretty nicely, and then and then expands into something really interesting. Let's let's start with the first bite here, Ryan, about what happened when Josh McDaniels departed and these new coordinators were put in place. Because of the Brady offense, right? They kept extending the Brady offense. You, long plays got longer because Thomas said, "Let's tack this onto it." So you have this this play call that takes 15 seconds to read, right? And the receivers have six and seven options. And and the point of stepping back when Josh left was, all right, we're going to simplify this. We're going to make it easier. We're going to give our receivers less options. Well, in doing that, they took away one of their quarterback's best traits, and that's his intelligence. He doesn't need it simplified. Maybe the other guys did, but he didn't. So I think right away, you're taking his brain a little bit out of the equation. He's not a runner. He's a pocket passer. And they took that part of away from him and... I mean, he hasn't liked it. Um, ownership doesn't like it. What's happened here? The players. I thought that was so smart from Mike Jardy mm. from NFL Media. He, it just sums it up so nicely. They took his brain out of the equation. When you looked at Mac Jones, when, when you picked him in the draft, what were the upsides to him? Oh, not high floor, like not high ceiling. Okay. Not his He's speed. ready to go. He's <laughs> highly intelligent. Everybody talking about, oh, he can see things. Like, at the, at the line, well before everybody else. He can diagnose everything. And then you put him in a system where maybe it's because you think that if this will enhance Johnny Smith's game or Nelson Aguilar's game. Maybe it's because you feel that who you want to be the coordinator and the quarterback's coach can't really understand that playbook mm. that was developed so compli- in, in, with so much complexity by Tom Brady. But Mac Jones can. And so aside from, I think, having crappy coaching day-to-day from those sidelines because of who Bill Belichick put in place to manage him, you also have a system that just doesn't cater to what he's elite at, which, sorry, is his brain. He's a pocket passer. Like, we've seen him at times make some plays with his legs, and he's okay at that, and he's not a total statue like some people want to make him out to be. But he was the smart quarterback, and he gave him a dumb playbook. Yeah. Where's the upside? There's none. I mean, there's really none. And it's not just so much that that's what Mac was known for. Any quarterback who was known for anything would have trouble with this. Just uh, going from a, a offense that you had a modicum of success with, and I do think that his rookie year was a little bit overrated based on you know some of the games that they played and what his actual numbers were in a lot of those games. Yeah, uh, his not he never really had one game where you were just like, oh my god, this guy's awesome, or wow, this guy's really got a, a amazing future here. You thought, okay, hopefully he gets better next year and he blossoms into a you know a, a real Pro Bowl quarterback because that was a fake Pro Bowl 
bowl appearance last year. But you definitely saw the tools and you saw sort of the raw skills that you need in order to make that happen. And I say that knowing that he's not fast. He's not some elusive pocket, you know, uh, evader. And he's not some guy who can gun it down the field on the run or anything. He had the raw skills in the sense that he knew where to get the ball. He knew the smart play to make. He, he was knew, accurate. Right. I mean, a lot the of that The ball's gotten a little lofty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just the transition from the college game to the pro game. Yeah. But it's gotten a little, or because they want him to throw up these 50-50 balls now that Devontae Parker's out to, like, right. everybody. Seemingly. And you'll notice, I mean, once they started really clamping down on him, he hasn't turned the ball over at all. Twice. I mean, he's not, he's not hardly throwing. He's had two interceptions since week eight. Yeah, and I mean, look what he was doing prior to that. It seemed like it was going to be one of those seasons where you think, all right, this guy might not make it through the whole year based on the interception rate. And since week eight, I mean, it's almost down to nothing. So, I mean, that's a, that's a major improvement, and I think goes to show that Mac hasn't given up on this year. I think Mac knows that, hey, if I play my game and I go out there and I call an audible on the one-yard line and throw the ball to Jacoby Myers, even though that's not the play that got called in here, then we're still going to be able able to score some points and maybe even with all this crap happening make it into the playoffs and if we get there let's not embarrass ourselves this time i can see mac thinking all those things but the first thing he's got to be on his mind every single day when he gets up and goes to practice or goes to play in these games is what are these guys doing what are they setting me up for here? Am I going to have to go on my own again? Am I going to have to, you know, uh, rearrange all these calls and make it? Because you remember, I mean, a couple weeks ago, the first two passing attempts he had were about as much of a cluster F as there yes. could possibly be in that game. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I think that Mac is, is sort of understanding. This is something I wanted him to do weeks ago. Stop complaining. Stop yelling at your coaches. Go out there, call an audible, and take control of this offense yourself. And I feel like he's starting to do that. Uh, so... You might think that we're just excusing Mac, excusing the play, excusing the behavior, all because, oh, it's all Matt Patricia's fault. Like, I'm not saying that. The circumstances are bad. Matt Patricia's a big part of it just because he's in a situation that he should not be in Mm. as an offensive coordinator. But then Mike Giardi continued, and he had this little tidbit about where Mac's teammates are about the way this offense is being run, and I thought this was really interesting. To me, the big telling point was, visiting other training camps, and then even when the season started and going to other teams and having expatriate players tell me, I'm still getting calls and texts from those guys, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't understand why they're doing it. They don't understand the direction, the plan, et cetera. And to me, that's pretty telling that even once the season started, guys are still getting on their phones telling their old teammates or old college teammates like, bro, we took something that was pretty good last year, 10 and 7, decent offense, right? And we have taken it and stripped it way back. And it's clear they're they're not, I mean, they're an impotent offense by and large. Just so I'm clear here, you're telling me current players are texting former teammates that are all part of the New England family going, I don't know what we're doing. Exactly. Even to some of the stuff that they were trying to do, Ryan, like the, adopting some of the McVay, Shanahan stuff with the, with the zone running, they don't have the personnel for that. I don't know why you would say to yourself, hey, let's do something that we haven't really done much of. Let's do a lot of it. They've devoted a ton of time to it during the offseason. And then, oh, by the way, once they got to the season, they were like, yeah, this doesn't work. And they threw it out. And they threw it out. Chucked it. I mean, look, I'm sorry. It's like not an old it, Christmas tree. It's not the, that last <laughs> point, the McVay-Shanahan crap. Yeah. If you listen to the afternoon show, you listen to us talk about ad nauseum. We read articles from Sports Illustrated about how hard it is to implement that zone running, particularly if you don't have a coach who was born and bred in it. Mm the way that these other systems do. And then he like, we sit here and 
the smartest minds in the city when it comes to football, like Tom Curran, Phil Perry, they're talking about at the beginning of the season, how many weeks are they going to try to run this zone running offense that they don't even have the personnel for, let alone the know-how. They have none of the pieces. Like, are, are they going to do this until week four? Or are they going to try to make it into the bye week and switch things up? This is even beyond, I mean, that stuff to me goes back to Belichick. Like, that is clearly Belichick's call. Definitely. I don't think Matt Patricia, short, like, you know, walks into the office and is like, let's try this McVay stuff. Like, oh, uh, no. I know I know you're a big fan of Mike Listen Shanahan. Up, Bill, I got a plan. <laughs> yeah. I don't see that that's the case. But going back to the the very beginning of it, he talks about these former Patriots who are getting texts and calls from their friends who are on the current Patriots team who were around last season when Josh McDaniels was running the offense mm. and saying, what the hell are we doing, bro? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would imagine it probably goes back further than last year because there's a lot of new players on this team. There's not a lot of Bill guys on this team. So when I think about who these culprits might be, I don't just think like second-year guys. I think who's been around a while, who's really seen the dramatic change. Well, who one would it year be on another. the offense? I don't think David Andrews is texting people. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe Damian Harris. Maybe Jacoby Myers. I mean, there's not that many guys who are really around, you know, and even in 2019 and Brady's last year. So if they're talking about the Brady I offense, mean, who played with Brady? I think it's fair to guess that Kendrick Bourne might be one. Kendrick Bourne probably <laughs> has some issues, yes. He said as much to the media openly in the locker room. Right. Nikhil Harry's like, can you believe what they're doing? <laughs> like, shut up, Nikhil. Nobody wants to hear from you. Nikhil Harry's like, boy, am I glad I'm not there anymore. <laughs> Nikhil's exactly. like, I love this offense. This is great. Isn't this great, guys? <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, look, we, we've seen Belichick lose the locker room at different times before in the mm-hmm. past. Yep. But this is just, this happened at the beginning of the year. Yeah. It feels it never like got better. in so many ways like yeah. a doomed season. Yeah. And they did it to themselves. Yeah, they did. It was uh, all self-inflicted, and that's really frustrating. And I think from the Crafts perspective, it's got to be extra frustrating, too, because not only was the Bill, Bel- or the Bill Belichick, the Tom Brady succession plan really... Uh, a total miscalculation. I was going to say just like non-existent. Yeah, I mean, they, just the beginning of that was really uh, was really tough, and now here you are, two years in with this quarterback that you drafted and spent a first round top fifteen pick on, and you spent all this money on pass catchers for him, and you know here you are, sort of looking at it, thinking, man, are we going to have to blow this all up again? Are we going to have to start over again next year with a new offense and a new coordinator and a new whole philosophy and all this and put that on Mac Jones at three years, three coordinators, three different philosophies. Like, that sucks. That's what happened to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was the rookie of the year, and then all of a sudden they brought in all these new coaches, and he sucked, and maybe he sucked anyway, and that rookie year was a fluke. But he had a couple years after that that weren't bad, and you just sort of wonder, like, are they really going to try and and drive Mac Jones down the same road? Because that's not a that's not a good place to be for a young quarterback. It's interesting you bring up Baker. I was I was talking to somebody the other day just casually about, can you remember a quarterback who went from, who slid so much mm. from having a promising rookie year to their sophomore slump without a serious injury involved. So, so not so like Carson Wentz is out. Not like, an, <laughs> not like an RG3 situation or something right. like that, uh, which is completely different. And I, I thought Baker, I was like, uh, I think in modern NFL in the most recent years, you can only really look at Baker before we go to ownership, because we also got some interesting stuff out of ownership the last couple of days. It was horrible. Some tidbits from the crafts. Uh, let's grab a call here on Mac Jones. Tim in the car, you're on. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, doing Tim. Uh, we're, we're, we're heading for 30 years of darkness, I'll call it. 
okay, and um, your screener, I said, I want to make some parallels between Jim Plunkett, right, mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, I know Mac Jones wasn't, but it's almost seen going down the same road where they'll get rid of this guy next year or the year after. He'll go someplace and win a Super Bowl, too, just like Jim Plunkett. I know it was 50 years ago. I get it. Plunkett got traded, didn't he? Didn't they trade Plunkett? Uh, he went to he went to the San Raiders, but I think they traded him. I thought. Yeah. Well, yeah, to San Francisco. Okay. He, he went there and then he ended up the Raiders. But my point is in this whole thing, tumultuous right now ownership, right? I think Matt Jones is going to head down the same road as this. This organization goes beyond Matt Jones. It comes down to old man Kraft. You know, my hope is he finally says to Jonathan, I'm tired of this, and I mean this spring, right? Because there's no love lost between Jonathan Kraft and Bell Belichick. Because, look, I respect that guy. Got him all these Super Bowls. The game hasn't passed him by. His ego has passed him by, okay? And if they don't do something this spring to address that, and I'm not saying fire the guy, there, there's 30 years of darkness with this team, and I'll just listen back talk to you guys. All right. Thanks, Tim. 30 years of darkness is the forecast from Tim. Uh, I like that he said that they're not going to fire Bill Belichick because I that I don't see that in the cards. I don't that think is so unrealistic. either. But I also think that at some point, you said the game hasn't passed Bill by. Maybe not, but I think maybe offensively it might have because how could you possibly think that you could throw Patricia and Joe Judge in there with this second-year quarterback and run a whole new offense and think that that would work? You know, like, this is something that from the very beginning everybody questioned, and everybody said there's no way that you can do this. And not just people like us. I mean, everybody. You were talking about it. Like, ex-players, uh, beat writer, everyone. Everyone except Mike Lombardi. Right. And now he's even he's come along, now too. Now he's like, uh, how long have I been saying this? But so I wonder, you know, like... Ten days. Oh, exhausting. The amount of times he would st- he'd say it. <laughs> like, like, that's why the Bill, O'Brien, the Bill O'Brien thing has me sort of feeling that way, too. Like, yeah, Bill O'Brien is a step up from what you have right now. But do I trust Bill Belichick to make this call? Do I trust Bill Belichick to make a to decision? To talk Bill O'Brien back? Uh, no, just about what to do next with the offense. Like, I'm not sure that I trust him there anymore. I'm not sure I trust Bill's judgment when it comes to this offense and this quarterback. And I don't know. I don't know if the Crafts feel that way, too, but I'm, that's how I'm feeling personally. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I understand where you're coming from, given what we've had to watch I mean, this has with been this horrible. awful experiment. Yeah. It's awful. But I want to go to this because you brought this up to me. This is Burt Breer from Sports Illustrated talking about what he's heard about how Robert Kraft and ownership feels about this offensive coaching staff. My understanding is he's made comments around the building that basically indicate he's not happy with where the offensive coaching staff is right now. And I think that that could lead to shuffling at more than just the play caller spot. I mean, we could be talking about a new coordinator coming in with multiple new position coaches. I think there are several guys in the staff that are going to be reviewed after the year. And the interesting part about this, uh, Michael, is the one guy I've heard that Kraft actually likes and would like to keep around is the tight ends coach, Nick Cayley, who was up to be the coordinator a year ago, now is on an expiring contract. And I think a lot of people expect would take a look at a job at Vegas in 2023. Okay. So the only guy who's going to be kept around potentially from the crafts on the offensive side of the ball is Kaylee, mm. the tight ends coach. Plus he and, bails for Vegas. <laughs> and he might bail for Josh McDaniels because yeah. he's like, I can't work under these conditions anymore with these two. I, I, I So uh, Bill Belichick was asked about this on the Greg Hill show. Here was his response. 
if we couldn't grab that. Sorry, yep, Ryan, I put you on nope. short notice there. Uh, Bill, Burt Breer has reported that uh, Robert Kraft may be unhappy with certain aspects of the offense and how it's constituted. Have you had any conversations with Mr. Kraft about the offense right now and maybe kind of the direction this team is currently going in? Yeah, right now we're focused on Buffalo. That's, that's what we're focused on. And I know he is, we are, everybody in the organization is. So that's what we're going to spend our time on this week. And that's, that's what we're going to do as a team. We're going to prepare as well as we can for Buffalo. Like I said, our goal is to go up there and play and coach our best game. Okay. So that was Monday, obviously, before mm-hmm. the Monday night game. Right. So he's Buffalo focused forfeits, on Buffalo. Because otherwise he wouldn't answer, otherwise right. you no, answer right. that question. Otherwise he's going to have to talk about how he feels about Kraft, apparently, reportedly walking around the building talking about how much he hates Matt Patricia being the offensive play caller. I mean, I, I, that can't feel good for Bill. Patricia used to be a darling of the Crafts, too. I mean, they loved him. That was that was why they okayed all this. They said, well, we like Matt, you know, and there was talk about him maybe being the successor for Bill uh, as a head coach at some point. Like, I feel like that, the shine has really come off of that, like, in well, a I real think, way here. Do you think that, like, Robert Kraft, and look, I, I don't know, but do you think Robert Kraft has this really tight bond with Nick Cayley where they talk every day and he's like, wow, I really like your mind and, you know, you could be a future asset? Or do you think there's a lot of people at this point coming to Robert Kraft and saying, listen, you probably want to sit some of these guys down and, you know, have an end-of-the-year review, but, you know, you should be there. You should listen to what these people have to say. And then at that point, you know, maybe think about bringing in other coordinators. Maybe think about bringing in people from the outside. And, you know, this Nick Cayley guy is actually really good. In fact, he probably should have been the coordinator all along, Robert. I don't think, like, Kraft is not going to... First of all, I think he's just grasping at people who are left over and well liked by the players. Yeah. Who is Nick Cayley? He doesn't know if so people left we don't over know from if Nick Cayley stinks. McDaniel's exactly. I know he's well liked. I know he's very highly thought of from the players, and I think that that's a start given what you have right now. But look, there's going to be a serious come to Jesus type meeting between Bill Belichick and the crafts in the offseason, and it's not going to be about Bill's job. It's going to be about how the offense is run. Well, it won't initially be about Bill's job. I agree with you. I think there Bill is going to be a conversation. Bill will decide if it's about Bill's job. But, yeah, yeah exactly, because don't we all sort of think that once they say, hey, you better hire someone that we approve of, and we're substituting our judgment for yours, that Bill's going to say, bleep you, I'll quit. I'm not going to do this. I'll go get, chase the record somewhere else. I'm not going to sit here and have you two tell me who I'm hiring and who my yeah. staff's going to be. I mean, be, I'm not right? sure it's like, going to be that blunt. I don't think it's going to be an ultimatum or, or else conversation. I think it'll be, hey, we're looking for a very firm plan mm. that is very different from what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'll go screw. I'm going to go coach <laughs> Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. <laughs> you're asking me for a plan? Bill Belichick, Broncos country. Let's ride. All right, we see you guys lined up wanting Let's to talk ride. Patriots. We're going to continue the talk. And your feelings on Mac Jones, uh, if he's a douche or not. We'll get there in the next. Arkan, did you have some dark news you wanted to share over there? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you know this name, but uh, Gianno Infantino, who is the head of FIFA, is currently taking a beating online right now because he took a selfie in front of Pele's casket at his wake. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Lord. <laughs> wow. With, like, several other people, but still, I mean, Jesus. Wait, was it a group selfie? It was he a was group like, selfie. everybody getting close. All right. Oh, that's not a good one. Your eyes were closed. Nope. Now let's do a silly one, guys. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. That's awful. That's brutal. People are really bad with the selfie. I'm game. afraid to. Was it open casket? It was not. Okay. <laughs> You're like a big pile I don't know, of maybe that makes it like that's a big pile actually of wait flowers? I'm not sure maybe it was I don't think so though. See do you see the photo? Um I can see the picture yes their bodies are blocking the actual casket so I don't know it's open or closed I don't know what's going on there. How old is that guy? How old is Johnny Infantino? Yeah. Um it's uh, a good question. Uh, let me look that up here. Old I, think, I would guess he's in no his better, 40s. Apparently not. Well I'm just wondering cuz I feel like I don't know. He's there's, 52. There's plenty of influencers who take like highly inappropriate selfies. That's true. You've seen probably seen the stories about historical sites where no one should take a selfie. Uh, oh yeah, they go up on like the in, steps of the pyramids or, and like stick their ass out. No, I was thinking more like some sites <laughs> in Germany and other parts of Europe. And it's like, why in God's name would you take a selfie there? But it happens for the likes. Bad attention. This is bad attention. Very bad. No such thing, right? All right, let's grab a couple Patriots calls here. Uh, by the way, we're going to hear from um, sports medicine doctor mm. Jess Flynn. In a couple minutes, we're going to talk to her about the DeMar Hamlin situation. Uh, He remains in critical care. Uh, Here is Christine from Connecticut. Christine, you're on. Well, thank you. Enjoying the show. Um, About uh, Bill Belichick's offensive plan. Last year, he went out and spent $165 million of the owner's money on free agents because, as he's been talked about over the years, he can't draft on the offensive side of the ball. So he's got these free agents. None of them can get free. None of them, not one really offensive game changer in the group. So he knew that, and he had multi-year contracts with these people. So instead of owning up to that, he went out and made a plan that everyone saw ahead of time wouldn't work. Now everybody's just talking about these two coaches being put in a bad spot, and they're not talking about his bad choices that he made on his free agents. And the owner is the only one chasing them down about it. So now they're complaining about Patricia, and it's kind of blown past the fact that these free agents just can't play. All right. Thanks, Christine. Uh, It's a good point. I mean, I think on this radio station, that's something we talked about, that Mm. they had to go and, you know, go on this crazy spending spree that I don't think Robert Kraft was in love with at the time. Especially not Uh, with the guys who were available. You didn't yeah. have, like, you know, it wasn't like Hill and Adams and all these, you know, great receivers were out there. You had to overpay for some middling guys. For Nelson Aguilar, yeah. for Johnu Smith, who mm-hmm. have not produced here. I mean, out of that whole group, I think the only one that you can say was a solid home run is Matthew Judon. Judon, definitely. I'd say Bourne last year was good, and uh, I thought Hunter Henry was showed some production last year. Like La- again, last year. Last year. This year, all those guys, none of those guys are doing anything. And last year, also, Judon fell off at the halfway point, too, but... Yeah, I feel like last year we felt a lot better about that free agent signing spree, and now it's like, now you're hanging on by a thread with some of these guys. Well, then another side of it is, okay, I'm paying Kendrick Bourne to go play football, and you keep benching him. Right. right. Why? Don't ask me to pay for these guys if you're going to bring them in and just you sit them over some nonsense that he doesn't like your system. Like, figure it out. We're paying these guys to produce, and you're not giving them an opportunity to produce on my dollar. Yeah. Which, by the way, seemingly many other offensive players are texting their friends on other teams saying, I don't know what the hell is happening here (laughs) compared to last year. Let's go to Phil in New Hampshire. Phil, you're on. Hey, Phil. Hey, how are you? Um, I agree with Mego on a lot of this. But uh, also the question on who's contacting the old players. Imagine Trent Brown sitting there having to block his own running scheme. Like, why the heck is this happening? Why are we doing this? I can picture that happening. Trent Brown was part of the old last championship team. But anyway, um, I agree with Mego a lot with um, Mac Jones' strength is his mind, right? Now, I don't think Bill is dumb. 
I think that there was nobody he wanted to hire, and Mick Cayley had one foot out the door already. So he did the Matt Patricia experiment and overestimating Matt's mind power and Max's mind power. But what ends up happening is you have this kid who needs to know the why that was reported. And there, there's a no rhyme and reason in this like putrid offense mm. that Matt's trying to learn on the fly. And what happens is now he's getting deeper and deeper into his own head. And while he's getting deeper and deeper in his own head and he's regressing in pocket presence and he's regressing in all of these ways because he's not focused on just the offense like he used to, now you start having the Boston media and all the people calling, saying stuff, and now he's getting deeper into his own head and then he starts making these D-bag decisions, um, you know, proving that I'm tough because last week Chandler Jones ran me over. And I think overall, I think he has a nasty streak, and I like that with my offensive lineman. Not sure about my quarterback. But overall, I think that 99% of these problems would be solved if you had something that would be such an easy solution. Like, who works with two tight ends in New England so well? The Bill O'Brien offense. Like, I would love to have Bill O'Brien. I think that would be the greatest thing ever. But this is a Bill Belichick Patriots team, and that perfect solution will never happen. I have zero hope of that happening because it's too perfect. And that's what scares me. All right. Thanks, Phil. I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot there. The greatest thing ever is Bill O'Brien. Like, he, he was... He was a coach in the league. Like, we've seen him recently. I know he was great at Bama and everything. He but was man, great with Tom Brady. People are talking about <laughs> him. Like, it, like, they're talking about Kendrick Bourne. I feel right. like a lot, there's a lot of hyperbole going on when here. When things are this bad, <laughs> every alternative is so good. Yeah. Every alternative becomes so elite. But I want to go back to the first part where you talk about Trent Brown. Uh, that's a great point. Hey, Trent, how are you? Trent Brown absolutely seems like someone who's just sending, like, I don't know if there's a, like a fart emoji about the playbook to every person that he knows in the league on every other team. Poo emoji. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, these play calls, Matt Patricia equals emoji. Like that, I completely buy that. Yeah. Real quick before we take a break, and we're going to talk to Jess Flynn, uh, sports medicine doctor, in a couple minutes. Do you believe that a quarterback can be a dirty player? Yes. No. Yes. No. Definitely. You really no. believe that, Arkan? Absolutely. I think anyone can be a dirty player if they set their mind to it. The kicker can be a dirty player. Oh, the punter can be it. a dirty player. The long snapper. Anybody. If you really want to be a dirty player, you can do it. I don't think there's any rules I or regulations against it. Silly, silly indictment of Mac. What a dirty quarterback. Like, yeah. Look at the way he checked down the ball. Look that at the way vicious. he keeps kicking people in the junk every time he oh, slides. Oh, come on. This <laughs> is so doesn't ridiculous. doesn't get much cheaper He's than like that, does it? He's not a freaking linebacker. He's, I agree <laughs> with the caller's last part there. I know I sound like an extreme apologist. It's just I was off for the last week and a half, and the amount of, like, oh, dirty player Mac Jones <laughs> that I had to hear, I just think it's Here's a compilation of three Even Orlovsky said he was a, a dirty player. I like a nasty streak. I'm like the caller. What can I say? <laughs> Nasty. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jess Flynn, sports medicine doctor, about the DeMar Hamlin situation that developed last night, uh, his prognosis, cardiac arrests in young athletes, how this happens, what's going to happen going forward. We'll be right back.